Good morning. I'm glad that you're here. When I think about uh, a day like today and everyone traveling, most congregations have their biggest service of the year on Christmas. We, unlike most places, have our smallest service of the year on Christmas normally because we got a lot of young people that travel and go home and go be with their families other places. But we are thankful to have you here. I look around, I see Vernie and Ivan. I remember when this would have been a big crowd here back a few years ago. We would have been all excited to have this many people, and I'm thankful to have you here today. We started a few weeks ago about a series on Jesus Christ, and we began with His birth and His conception and birth, and then we talked about His childhood, and then we talked about His ministry, and now we're supposed to talk about His death. Isn't that kind of odd to talk about the death of Jesus on Christmas, on the day everyone else is thinking about His birth? You know, when I think about relationships that different people have, and we're going to be talking about Jesus and some relationships here in a moment. I looked online last night for the longest marriage that I could find, and the longest marriage I could find was that couple right there. They lived in England, and they were married 90 years and 291 days. That's right, wow. I can remember as a young man, if you got to 75 years, I think Paul Harvey would announce you on his his radio show. Um, my great-grandparents were married 65 years. That's the closest that I personally have known that, that I can think of right now anyway. And I know when my great-grandmother passed away, my great-grandfather just almost died. He married again eight months later because the loneliness was just killing him. He just couldn't, couldn't take it. Some of you have lost spouses. You know what that is after many years of marriage. You know, the longer a relationship lasts, normally the more intense and the more connected the people in the relationship are. There are some people that come into our lives and they come and go like Philip and the Ethiopian. Philip goes, meets the Ethiopian, riding in his chariot, preaches to him, baptizes him. And the Bible says, the Spirit caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. They never met each other again, ever. It was just just like that. Like, was his name Jason, the fellow that came a couple of weeks ago and was baptized? I don't know, whatever happened to him? I don't know if he'll ever be back. He may, he may not. He may be going to church some other place. We have no idea. He was just momentarily in our lives and, and then gone. But some relationships last longer than that. Some relationships, some people have good friends that are, are lifelong friends. You know, I've known many of you for a long time. As I look around the room here, I haven't known any of you any longer than I've known Danny. Danny, do you remember when we met? Out in California. He walked in, this long-haired, hippie-type, pinko. <laughs> he, he wasn't, but as far as I, I just... I remember meeting Danny, and that was... What year was that, Danny? Any idea? It was in the 70s, 1970s. I've known Danny a long time. He's been a friend for a long... We've been through... Danny lived at our house. Danny and I ran around together all the time. I was, I was in their wedding. 
I mean, Danny and I have a long friendship. There have been very pivotal times in our lives. I was there at the hospital when Robert was in the hospital. Uh, there are just so many things that we've shared through our lives. And those relationships, the longer they are, the more knit together people are normally. I want to tell you about a long relationship. A long, long, long relationship. We read in the book of Genesis. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Who was God talking to when he said that? Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. You know who he was talking to, Christy? He was talking to Jesus and the Spirit. We know that because John tells us this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Jesus was the Word, and He was there in the very beginning with God. Now, I don't know how old you think this world is. There's a lot of debate about that. I am a young earth believer. I mean, in science, I think there's a lot of evidence that our earth is not millions and billions of years old. But even if it's just six to ten thousand years, that's a long time, right? That's long enough that we learn that when someone or two people are that close, two individuals being that close... They get a lot alike. God and Jesus the Father are very, very much alike. God the Father and Jesus the Son. Jesus said this, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, Carrie and I are very, very close, but I would never tell anyone, well, if you've seen me, you've seen Carrie. <laughs> we're close, but we're not that close, right? You've seen me, you've seen... Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's how close they were. That's how together the Father and the Son were. You see, to see Jesus was to see the Father. He says, Jesus in His prayer set prayed that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you just as we are one. They are one. From the very beginning, they were one, totally united in purpose and love. Now, that's a long, long time. But did you know we can go back even further than that? We absolutely can. Look at this passage. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with Yourself, with the glory which I had with You before the world was. Jesus wasn't just there in the beginning, but Jesus was there even before the world. What do you think God was doing before He created the world, the universe, the things that exist? What do you think He was doing? I don't know. I have no idea. We talk about Him being all-existent. In fact, Micah says that He's been from of old, from everlasting, that He's just always... Can you imagine how close you'd get to someone if you were together always, forever? How much alike you would be forever together? And they had. And this Jesus, who had been with the Father from forever, 
had been close to the Father from forever, totally united in purpose and love from forever, left heaven, left being with His Father, and came to earth and was born on this earth. Maybe I have to walk up here closer. Yeah. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us as the only begotten of the Father. This season is all about a celebration of this truth right here. This season in America and among Christian families. It's all about this truth. This truth that Jesus became a baby. We just sang a song about that. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. There's nothing... I mean, we weren't praising Bethlehem, were we? I've never been to Bethlehem. Don't intend probably to ever go to Bethlehem. There's nothing magical about the city of Bethlehem other than it happened to be the location of this happening, this truth here, that the Almighty God in His Son Jesus came to be a baby and dwell among us. Why would He do that? I mean, He'd been with the Father forever. They created this world. People had turned against them. Why would Jesus come and be a baby. I mean, why not just boom, show up and be Jesus? And why come and be a baby? Why was Jesus born? Well, you know, there are many things the Bible says are the reason that Jesus came into this world. But the one I want to focus on is this one right here. Jesus said the Son of Man, talking about Himself, came to give His life a ransom for many. Do you know why Jesus came? Jesus was born to die. That's why He came. From the day that He was laid in that manger, from the day those shepherds gathered around, from the day the wise men came and brought those gifts, Jesus was born to die. That was His destiny. That was His purpose. That was His focus. That was the direction that He was going in His life. From the time He could very first take His steps, those steps were going to lead Him to the cross to die. That's why Jesus was born. That's why... You know, I was thinking about it. We do celebrate His death and His resurrection around Easter. But Easter, even though it's a... A holiday and all. It's not the big deal that Christmas is, is it? I mean, Chris, we do Christmas for really from Halloween all the way through nowadays, don't we? Christmas is a big deal. Why is it a bigger deal than Easter? I mean, they're both supposedly Christian holidays. Why do you think Christmas is a bigger deal than Easter to people? I'll tell you why I think it is. Oh, sweet little baby being born. Everybody loves little babies being born. And everybody, it's, it's such a nice story and it's not like the death. You know, we had David preach for us a while back, talk about the death. Do y'all remember that? About the blood and the beatings. Have you seen the passion of the Christ? About what all, that's ugly. That's ugly. That's not pleasant. That's not something really to build a holiday around. That's why Jesus was born, though. Jesus was born. His first steps were leading to that beating and that cross. 
Everything he did. Now, all of that brings us to this passage that I want us to focus on a little bit this morning. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You see, this truth that Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 8 says that he didn't spare his own son. He delivered him up for us all. What's he talking about here? He says, notice he says that he will freely give us all things. What things is he talking about? Well, if we back up a verse, we read this. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He's still talking one verse above about these things. What things are they? In fact, it's interesting. Paul says, what am I going to say about these things? Two things that I get out of that. Number one, what, what are the things he's talking about? Number two, it almost makes Paul speechless. <laughs> he said, what can I say? Have you ever heard anything that, or seen anything that made you speechless? That you just... You felt like you needed to say something, but you didn't know what to say? That's where Paul's at in this passage. He's speechless by these truths that he's just talked about. What should we say about these things? Well, what are those things? Well, the things he's just been talking about is this. He says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Think about that. Paul has just been telling us, God is really, really on your side. He's really on your side. Think about that. The creator of the universe is on your side. And when Paul thinks about that, I mean, think about stuff Paul went through. Paul was beaten and shipwrecked and, and lied about and thrown in prison and stoned and all these terrible things that happened to Paul. And he says, you know what? This isn't worth nothing compared to what's coming. Why? Why could Paul say that? Because he was, he was dumbfounded and speechless by this truth. This truth that God is on your side. And he's on my side. Look at this. He goes ahead then and he says, so what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You see, your sickness is not a judgment from a condemning judge. If you get sick, God is not a judge against you. I've occasionally, through the years, I uh, talk to people who have a child who has a problem. I can remember very vividly uh, a couple that I knew. Actually, they went to church here for a while. They had twins, and one of the twins was in, in, in real serious condition and has since passed away. But when they were in the hospital, I went and I stood by the little crib of that baby with Darren and Stephanie. And Darren looked at me and he said, Is God punishing us for something? Paul here says, no. Your sickness, the loss of your child, your broken down car or your failed appliance, 
that's not working right now. Your marital strife is not a sign of God's wrath. Your lost job isn't a penalty that God's put on you for sin. Your wayward child that leaves the faith and leaves you, and that's not punishment from God. That's not the whip of God's wrath on you. Paul says, God is for you. He's on your side. He's not your enemy. If you are in Christ, and he says in Christ, there's no condemnation. God is on your side. And Paul says, what what do I say about that? What do I say? If God's for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, I have to stand up close here. Who can be against me? You know, in verse 35 of this passage, he goes ahead and he says, there's going to be tribulation and there's going to be strife and there's going to be distress. You're going to have those things. But if God is for you, who can be against you? Verse 36, Paul says, we as Christians are killed all day long, counted as sheep for the slaughter. And he says that in the context of saying, who can be against us? Who can stand? You see, the devil and sinful men, they can make you sick and steal your car and take cost you your job and lure your children away from you. They can cause strife in your marriage. But God is for you, even in the face of all of that. In verse 28, he had said that it's all going to work out for good. You see, what the evil men and the devil design as being against you and as being your enemy, as being bad for you, God designs to be good for you in the end. Do you remember the story of Joseph? Do you remember what evil men did to Joseph? Remember that? His brothers sold him as a slave. Looking around here, I see two brothers sitting right over here. Y'all ever argue and fight? Yeah? They're honest enough to shake their head. Would either one of you ever really sell the other one as a slave? We got one strong no and the other one's... (laughs) You wouldn't. You wouldn't really sell him as a slave. Can you imagine brothers doing that to one another just out of jealousy? Jeremy, you've got a brother. Can you imagine? I can't. His brothers did. Do you know they devised that for evil? Did you know there was zero good in their intent? And when they finally are reunited with him many years later, do you remember what he told them? He said, as for you, you meant it, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. You see? God meant it for good. There is good in what God intends and God plans and God means for His people. If God's for us, who can be against us? I mean, there were no more powerful enemies in the world at that time than Joseph had. Who could be against him? No one. Because God was for him. You see, think of the impact of this. 
How does the world react when the car breaks down? Or when they get a disease? Or when they lose their job? How does the world react? With fear and anger and frustration and upset and anxiety. And But you don't have to. Because you know that no matter what happens, God has designed and planned this. If you are in Christ and you love Him, God has planned and designed this to work out for your good. You see, when I think that way and when I realize that, all the stuff in this world that we get caught up in and worry about and frustrated about it, all of that really doesn't have much meaning. That's why Jesus could say, after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He says, you seek first the kingdom of God. You don't have to worry about all that stuff. You don't have to worry about it. Some of us get what we want for Christmas, and some of us don't, right? John, did you get what you wanted for Christmas this year? He did. What a blessing. You know, there's a lot of people didn't get anything for Christmas, right? A lot of people. You don't have to worry about that. Because if you're in Christ, you got something greater than that. Someone says, well, you know, I understand what you're saying. I do. But there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't seem like it could work out for good. How do I know that's true? I mean, how do I know? How do you know that God's really going to make it work out for good for you? How do you know that? We go back to Romans. And this is how we know. He who did not spare his own son. You know, the subtitle of this is from the greater to the lesser. How else is Paul going to say? He says, what can I say to these things? God's for us. Who can be against us? How else can you say it? He says, okay. If God didn't spare His own Son, if God didn't spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? He said, if God didn't spare His own Son. You see, that's the greatest obstacle that stood between God and your salvation, is His Son. It was a Mount Everest standing between God and our salvation to give His Son. That's the almost insurmountable obstacle. And He didn't. He didn't spare His Son. The one that he'd been with from eternity. He didn't spare his son. The one he was perfectly united with and perfectly united in purpose and love. He didn't spare his son. He didn't spare him any of the torture. He didn't spare him any of the scorn. He didn't spare him any of the sin-bearing death. He didn't spare him any of that. If He didn't spare His Son for me, do I think He wouldn't give me what I need? Do I think I couldn't trust that all things will work together for good? You see, He didn't spare His Son. 
His own Son. But He delivered Him up for us all. He delivered Him to all the sufferings. That was the hardest thing to do. Is to deliver His Son up to all the sufferings. He delivered His one and only Son to be lied about, to be mocked, to be betrayed, to be abandoned, to be flogged, and finally spit on and nailed to a cross. And then pierced with a sword like an animal being butchered. His one and only Son. I have one and only Son. And there's a special love that a father has for a son. It's not a greater love than I have for my wife or my daughters, but it's different. It says his one and only son, his own son. This was said about a time before God had other children. Today, he's adopted us into his family and he has other children and he loves us the same way. But at the time, Jesus is His own Son. He's not His adopted Son. He's His own Son. And He delivered Him up for us all. He delivered Him to you. And He did it. He really did that. You know, the Bible talks about all these different people who delivered The Father says, or delivered Jesus. Judas delivered him up to be, to betray him. Pilate delivered him up to the Jews. Herod and the Jews delivered him up to Pilate. Us, we've delivered him to sin. Even Jesus himself, John 10, says he delivered himself up. All of these say that Jesus was delivered by himself or us or other people. But all of that, the Bible teaches us, is a result of This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross. You know, this forever, one of the things that God and Jesus were doing before the world was created, part of the forever was this plan of Him giving up His Son, to be tortured and to be destroyed for us. That was part of it. That's what it was about. And you see, from the from the foundation of the world, we know that we were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ. Listen, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. So, this season, this holiday season, when we think about the the birth of Jesus, the whole focus and the whole purpose of the birth was the death. And the whole proof of the death for you and I, that stands as a proof that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what problems you have, no matter what struggles or sufferings are part of your world and your life, God is for you. And He's going to give you all spiritual blessings. He's going to give you everything you need. And He is going to see to it that what other people plan for you as evil, God plans for good. I understand, uh, 
I wasn't back there, so I didn't see it. But I understand we locked the doors this morning. Is that right? Lock the doors to a church? Why would you do that? Well, because we got word that some people plan evil for God's people, right? Didn't we get word of that? We saw it on the news that ISIS sent out a call to any sympathizers to attack Christian churches today. We said, well, we'd at least like them to have to go through a door that's locked before they get in here, right? You worry about that? God makes all things work together for good. What they plan for evil, God will plan for good. It doesn't matter what anyone else does. God plans it for good. And you know that's true because if He would give His own Son and not spare Him any of the suffering and deliver Him up for all of the torture and everything that was done to Jesus, if He would do that, do you really think He won't work out all things together for good if you love Him and serve Him and are in Him? So when you know and believe this, it's freeing. It changes the way you live. Can't your dad's got cancer? That's a heartache, isn't it? It's a sorrow. But all things, all things God has planned for those who love Him, it's going to work out for good. Everything promised to us by God, all spiritual blessings... All things will work out for good to us. That's my message to you today. To remember that even before the foundation of the world, it was foreordained that God would prove to you and I His undying and faithful, trustworthy love that He would give His Son for you and I, proving to us, and should we never ever doubt that, we should walk in faith, believing that because God did that, his promises are faithful. I pray a lot of times, Carrie has teased me through the years that you've got your phrase, your phrase. One of my phrases is that when I ask God for something, I say, and we know you'll do it because you told us you would. And I say that because I believe that. I mean, if God says it, He's going to do it. And I believe that's true because He gave His Son for me. And if He do that, He's not going to break His word. He'll do that. It will work together for good to those who love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. I encourage you to embrace that and live that with the rest of your life this upcoming year and this holiday season. No matter what happens, trust the sacrifice of Jesus. It was the reason that He was born. If there's a spiritual need you have, we do offer a song of invitation if you'll make that need known while we stand and sing.